Georgie? The blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. Come with me if you want to live. Hi, I'm Andy. And I'm Larry. And this is Road to Nowhere, the comic book, sci-fi and horror movie podcast. Um, how are you doing, Larry? I'm good, thank you, Andy. How are you? Hi, I'm okay. Um, today we are going to be discussing, following from Stacey Keach, who I think it was who we had for body bags, wasn't it? Yeah, Mark Hamill. Was it? Oh, this was Mark Hamill. So Stacey Keach is in both of them. And both of them, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. in both. Oh, well. So, following on from the body bags episode, we're going to discuss, um, yeah, Batman, Mask of the Phantasm, due to Mark Hamill's involvement in both. Um, we'll come on to talking about that movie in a wee minute, but we've got a rotating third chair this week. I'm delighted to say we're joined by George O'Connor from Colin Brain versus the MCU. Hi, George, how are you? I'm very good. Thank you very, very much for having me. How are you both? Great. Thank you very much for coming on. Ah, am I right? I, I just um, <laughs> working. I'm not even working actually. I'm off sick then now, so I'm not even doing that. Good bastard. Um, so George, be a bit about yourself. Obviously, for um, a, a listener to your podcast, of I think when did I catch up? It would have been good. I think it was after you had recorded the Avengers episode, right? The first Avengers episode. Um, so for anyone that doesn't know, if you just want to give us a wee description of what you, you cover. Well, of course. Well, I'm a bit of um, a Marvel fanboy, shall we say. So I'm sort of crossing the streams tonight. I'm heading mm. over to DC. And um, <laughs> so I was already doing a podcast with my uh, other podcasting partner, Rob. And um, always had it in my head that I wanted to do a second podcast, but could never quite figure out what it, uh, what it was going to be or what it was going to look like. And then I've got a close friend of mine, uh, Colin Brain, and known him for about, God, 15, 15, 20 years now. And he, I used to live with him in London for a little bit. And uh, whilst I was over there in London with him, he was uh, training to be sort of um, an audio engineer, learning how to run uh, a recording studio, essentially work with some really, like, really big artists and stuff like that. And then at one point got the opportunity to um, work in Malaysia for years and years and years so um we obviously kept in contact but he was so busy over there he kind of fell out of all pop culture essentially any films or tv and this is a guy who i when i first met him was working in blockbusters so he went from your your resident geek that would just hand you all these dvds and games under the counter just trying to get you onto anything that he's found Mm -hmm. to then suddenly coming back from malaysia and he hadn't seen a film or TV show or an episode of anything in years. He didn't know a thing. But bless him, he always knew that I was this Marvel geek. And um, so I remember going down uh, to the pub with him one night, just for a bit of a catch up between the, uh, myself and some friends. And bless him, I know he, I know he couldn't give a shit. But <laughs> at one point he was like, so, uh, you know, you're, you're still watching those Marvel movies? I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm watching them. Yeah, I'm, I'm still quite invested. Um, 
So, oh, so uh, when's the next big one? I was like, well, there's a couple coming up, but the one I've really got my eyes on, there's a new Spider-Man. And uh, I think that's going to be a really good one. He just sort of stopped in his tracks. And he was like, Andrew Garfield's still doing that shit? <laughs> Bear in mind, this was only about two years ago. Mm. So suddenly I think, this guy is so out of it, he still thinks Andrew Garfield's still throwing out Spider-Man movies. He has no idea Tom Holland even exists, let alone there's any Tom Holland Marvel movies. And I think uh, suddenly, the, you know, that was the light bulb moment then. I thought mm. it was a great idea of obviously A, doing a Marvel or MCU recap podcast. But not only that, myself and my my partner as well, um, podcasting partner Rob, um, we're both maybe looking at these films through rose-tinted glasses a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe we walk out of every film being like, oh, it was so fucking good, and oh, this bit was amazing, and can't wait to see uh, what happens because of this. And then we slowly started thinking, are we just, are we, do we like these films just because we're just too biased? So let's get Colin on board. Let's rewatch these films from day one. Colin hasn't seen, still hasn't seen a single trailer to these films. He has no idea what's coming up next. I think even in episode one, I was like, name me three characters in the MCU. And I think his first answer was Batman. So that kind of tells you <laughs> where we, where we were at. Yeah. And, um, it had to be podcasting gold. Um, so we are, our next episode is, uh, as of recording, um, Infinity War is due to be released. So we are coming up to the end of the multiverse saga. People seem to really like it, um, which is very good. Obviously, we've built this lovely little community. Obviously, the podcast uh, is called Colin Brain versus the MCU. And um, yeah, it, it it's going quite well so far. So, uh, yeah, and, and thank you for listening as well. So as you're saying, you, you're just about to release Infinity War. Um, I think last week's one was a, a special, wasn't it? Amazing Spider-Man. Amazing Spider-Man 1. Mm-hmm. Um, I've already told Colin, don't even listen to this episode when this is out with you boys, unfortunately. <laughs> That's um, just in case I, I say anything I shouldn't. He always claims, it's ruined my life being in this bloody podcast. It's ruined my life. Anytime <laughs> there's a bit of Marvel news out or anything like that, I just... My first, my first thought is no longer, oh, that's going to be really cool. Can't wait to see this. It's like, oh, fuck, I hope Colin doesn't find out. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So the reason why we're doing all of lots of bonus episodes, we've done like the Sam Raimi uh, Spider-Man trilogy. Now we're just jumping into um, Amazing Spider-Man. Is obviously, we're, we're, we're building him up for um, No Way Home. So he, he has yet again yeah. for No Way Home. It's mad to me. Sometimes I think he's just pretending and he's he's, he's genuinely not he does not know this film exists and he does not know obviously all the twists and turns and all fun in that film Mm. as well it's baffling to me yeah so he's got obviously he's got no socials and things like that or he's certainly not on them often does he work in the city he he well yes he lives in london and works in london (laughs) and he avoids all these posters and (laughs) that's the thing luckily a lot of the time he has artists coming over to him he has an in-house studio um, oh, okay. He does a lot of um, mixing and mastering, so a lot of the time people are just sending stuff to him. But um, sometimes, yeah, he has to go out to various studios, and he says he just has to just head down and <laughs> just eyes on the floor. He said because he says buses are the worst; can't yeah. look at buses anymore mm. because, um, yeah, I think a few months ago he was like, "Oh, I think I just there's is, is there a Loki movie 
I was like, mm. oh, oh God, why? He's like, I think I just sort of bust drove past and I could have sworn it said Loki on it. I was like, no, 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 you're losing your mind. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's it's an absolute nightmare. The other day he was, what he's massively into UFC. He said he was just watching one of the new events. It didn't really have his uh, surroundings on, like trying to be Marvel very uh, aware. Mm. And then suddenly um, I think round one of a fight ended and Mjolnir, flew across the screen and as they were I think about to maybe promote Love and Thunder at the time he said he had to die for the remote control and turn it off so bless him <laughs> he's trying very very hard we, we've introduced something now every week called Spoiler Watch to see if uh, anything's propped up in his in his life essentially where uh, yeah mm. um, he's got spoiled but luckily uh, there was a quite a big one for Infinity War that he got but um it hasn't ruined too much, but how yeah. he hasn't been spoiled for No Way Home, I have no idea. No, um, but we shall see. We're, we're getting closer. I mean, I think it's one of the, the kind of pitfalls of being on social media. I suppose, like I saw the morning that I was going to see Multiverse of Madness. I saw that still. Assuming Larry, have you seen Multiverse of Madness? Yes, yes, yeah. Uh, and but we'll say spoilers as well for this. I saw the still of the four Illuminati members. Standing, yeah. getting ready to fight Wanda like four hours before I was due to go and see it. Yeah, yeah, and it's just a kick in the balls. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and yeah, you're saying with no way home. I mean, that was people seem determined to spoil that. Mm. Um, I managed to. We'll come on to what we've watched uh, recently, and this will be under it. I saw Wakanda Forever recently, and mm. that's been out for maybe a week now, and I've managed to avoid spoilers before seeing it. So I was quite happy about that. Well, Disney, I won't, I won't exactly say what because I know it is a, still a fairly new release. But Disney, I think this morning, as of recording, posted on their Twitter account a picture that was very, very, very spoilerific. Essentially, they showed who takes the new Black Panther mantle. Yeah, they did. Um, they have done that. Yeah, it's really bad. And I was just blown away. It's been yeah, it's been like a week. Yeah, yeah. I think they like to. They are now wanting the fast the quick turnover aren't they like mm. five five weeks maybe or six weeks mm. between release and disney plus yeah. yeah so it's quite clever maybe as well releasing these quite spoilery images a week after because maybe they people might get into the sense of knowing right i you know disney are creating this sense of fomo you know away you know yeah. creating this fear of missing out see it as soon as you can because otherwise yeah. you're going to get spoiled next week and you can see it. There is um, from week one to week two, especially with the Marvel movies over the last two years. The week one, week two drop off has been insane. Mm, Sometimes yeah. down like sixty percent. Like Aye. people are desperate to avoid spoilers. So um, Marvel have great week ones, but um, they tend to drop off from there. And does that affect kind of? I suppose it doesn't affect their overall box office if people are going straight away and it's just like a surge. Exactly, and if the film's good enough as well. These films are designed that you can go see it two or three times. I think that definitely yeah. happened with Spider-Man: No Way Home. That, I mean, I definitely saw it a couple of times in the th- in in the cinema. So, yeah, uh, so, they've kind of got that appeal to them as well. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I was, that was the same for No Way Home. I think twice mm-hmm. I saw it in the cinema. Once myself, and then once my wife. Um, and then, I think you mentioned the. The kind of MCU impact, and obviously saying Colin's not going to listen to this anyway. How have you felt with Phase Four? Well, um, I think it might be looked upon more fondly in the future. Obviously, it's by far the biggest phase Marvel have had. What's um, huge, yeah. Like you look at Phase One, what it was six movies, and that was it. 
and phase four i think we started off with three tv shows before we even got to a film mm. so is there going to be everything is everything in there going to be something that people love no not everything it's not going to appeal to everyone um so but i, I saw something the other day and it, it called this the trauma phase and I really quite liked that. It was literally, it was, you know, it was quite a dark phase at times, whether you look mm. at um, Bucky trying to overcome all of his trauma from being the Winter Soldier, from obviously Wanda losing Vision, um, the whole of Wakanda losing T'Challa. I, I could go on and on and on. I think every single film deals with some sort of trauma with someone losing someone. Mm-hmm. It would be interesting to see there's a certain amount of things in phase four especially in Wakanda Forever, I felt, where they're setting up future phases. And I kind of hope, I wish that Marvel kind of got themselves out of that. They used to do that way back in like sort of phase two, beginning of phase three, and it started to wind some people up. And I expect, mm. I'll try try keep it spoiler light for Wakanda Forever. But yes, it was a very touching um, film at, at times it was a great tri- um tribute to to chadwick and uh, it was quite emotional at points mm-hmm. and i felt that if the film stayed as a tribute to chadwick that would have been we were talking one of the maybe the best film of phase four maybe it still is but then all this new it feels like they they, they keep popping in new characters and they're saying oh um, remember this because this is going to take this is going to take place in phase five or something like that and I felt like it, they kind of lose focus when they do things like that. So I think phase four has been good. It's been strong. Um, so fingers crossed, if certain things pay off and they pay off well, phase four may even be looked at even stronger. What about you? Um, I have enjoyed. So when, when phase four start, was it Shang-Chi? Was that the first one of phase four, Black Widow? Um, I think Black Widow was the first film. Yeah. The first yeah. project of Phase Four was One Division, right? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I um, in terms of the movies, uh, Black Widow was a movie that was maybe two or three years too late. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely looked for a lot more inclusion, which is obviously a good thing. Mm-hmm. I wasn't massive on Shang Chi; like, I thought it was okay. Yeah. Um, and then one thing I have found. I really love Multiverse of Madness. Like I really, really mm, yeah. liked Multiverse of Madness. That is the most metal film. Uh, it, is, it is Sam Raimi as fuck. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, um, and then I've, I've kind of rewatched Thor: Love and Thunder, and it's really messy. It's very, it's mm. very Taika Waititi, yeah. but I yeah. still enjoy it. Like, and I think with um, the TV shows, they have risen and fallen in terms of quality. Um, Probably my favourite has actually been She-Hulk in terms mm-hmm. I think that's been my favourite yeah. MCU show. Maybe followed by, surprisingly, Hawkeye and then mm-hmm. um, WandaVision. Yeah. Um, so let's say, what? let's talk the controversial one then. What did we think of Eternals? I like Eternals. Oh, I like Eternals. Oh, I, I didn't like Eternals at all, no. I didn't. No, but anytime someone like... says they don't like Eternals, I can, I, I can ent- I turn around and be like, yeah, cool, I completely get it. <laughs> there are other films that say someone turns around and says I don't like Endgame. I'm like, right, let's fucking get into this right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> someone says they don't like, just like yeah, Eternals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Eternals is the only MCU movie I've never seen in the cinema. Oh, okay. Because, well, so that would have been, Eternals would have been out Round about the start of the pandemic, mm-hmm. or was it before? Was it twenty? No, 
definitely, it definitely had a cinema release, if I remember. Right. Well, last year. Yeah. Am I, am I, has it been that long since it was out? I think it may have been last year, actually. Yeah, yeah it wasn't so, this yeah, year. Yeah. yeah. And just, I mean, one of the things having having a, a four year old and you know yourself, George, trying to get a, a bit of spare time um, mm. to to go and see things and uh, do that, and I just had heard so many not good things about it. I wasn't that bothered, and I knew it was coming out. Like I think the release between that was something like forty five days. Mm-hmm. For between cinema yeah. and um, Disney Plus, and I just went, ah, do you know what? I'll just wait. <laughs> so it was obviously under hyped. If that's like the correct phase and phrase, sorry. And um, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it's. I, I can see why people don't like it, but I also don't see why it gets so much hate. Like yeah. there is worse movies in MCU by far. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't agree with Colin on Iron Man 3 because that's in top five, but yes. <laughs> um, like Iron Man 2 or Dark World or... I mean, one of the things with Phase 4 as well is I think... See, when you look back at Phase 1, I think that gets looked at through rose-tinted glasses as well. Mm. Iron Man, the first one, is never a movie I go back to much. Um, I'm the same with the first Captain America. Uh, yeah. In terms yeah, of, like I think the rest of the Captain America films are like top tier for me, but first mm-hmm. Avenger, I could take it or leave it. And the exact same with Thor, and then the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, like these weren't; these were very well made uh, movies. And I think again, I think the Incredible Hulk gets a wee bit of, a tough, a tough ride. Mm. Um, but now we look back on them as that was the start, that was the beginning. It was all glorious and. The CGI was better because they took more time, which I agree with. But um, they, I think maybe, yeah, as you're saying, maybe Phase 4 over time will get better looked at. I think it really depends now how Phase 5 goes because if Phase 5 ends up being this kind of bombastic, crazy lead into the Kang Dynasty and Secret, uh, Secret Wars, Secret Wars. Uh, yeah, yeah. then maybe we we'll look at Phase 4 and go, right, now I can see why... That was maybe a bit understating, as you're saying. It's about trauma. Even Hawkeye is about trauma, about um, mm-hmm. Natasha and Thor Love and Thunder, his trauma in it. And yeah, and massive amount of like, Its main theme is trauma. Like, yeah. you look at his, his condition and anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that yeah, was, that was my... Interesting, yeah, interesting so, phase. That was my least favourite of the shows. I really hated Moon Knight. Wow. Could not get into it at all. <laughs> like, I just... I, I, I thought it started well. And I think Oscar Isaac is good, but I just I couldn't get into the show at all. Oh. I just think. Do you a fan of that one? I was a fan of that one. I I really liked it. Um, I thought. Um, I actually, strangely enough, I thought it got better as it went on. Yeah, okay. okay. I the last, the last two or three, I thought was um, just felt really fresh. Definitely nothing I'd seen in the MCU before. Because every now and then, it tends to feel a little stale. But um, mm. yeah. Uh, I, I, I liked it a lot and found it very emotional as well, yeah. Hmm. That's all about opinions. Of course. <laughs> uh, of it. Uh, Larry, face four for you, what did you think of it? Yeah, it, it probably didn't hit as, hit as harder as the other ones, I think. Yeah. Um, was a big fan of Black Widow. I thought it was all right. Shang-Chi I like because I, I'm a big martial arts fan. I, I love those types of... Mm-hmm. Shaw Brothers sort of big martial art epic film, so it was kind of spoke to me. 
And I'm, yeah. I'm always a big fan of Michelle Yeo. Whenever you see her, things are, things pretty good. So, yeah, I quite liked it. Um, I like Go- Midnight. I feel I love One Division. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, it's kind of come out like the Eternals. I just, I guess I, I just found it so wooden. I just thought it was a bit too like. Oh, the item is a bit like stilted and a bit like I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, like I just thought the guy from Game of Thrones. He was like. And you come out. You've come from such a kind of good, good, great show, where you're sort of kind of well known from that, and then you've just come completely forgotten to how you act. What one? Because like, you could say that for the two of them, because they're both fucking rotten. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about Rob. I'm talking about Rob Stark. Rob Stark. Uh, uh, no, I was going to say James McAvoy. It's no, it's another Scottish guy. Yeah, another <laughs> Scottish guy. Um, yeah, he was just. I, I just couldn't. Couldn't get it, and then I was like, then Harry Styles turns up, and I'm like, mm. I'm meant to be excited. I'm excited. I was excited when Patton Oswalt turned up. Aye, yeah. I thought, oh, Patton Oswalt, you're finally getting to get being a. Oh, we were then he got to be in Salmon as well, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I just couldn't get into. It. I thought it was kind of quite plodding, and there's so many good people in it. Yeah, but then it just a really great cast, Barry yeah, Keoghan as well, and yeah. Camille Nanjiani, who I really love. Mm. He's really good in a lot of things, but I just couldn't. I just couldn't get into it. Um, so, but I'm excited, excited to see what's going going forward, and hopefully, maybe in the future, I can look back at those films as, like you say, and be maybe a bit more into them or see them. Maybe, maybe as things go forward, because I think as people have talked about Eternals, saying like, well, the reason why you don't get it is because it's it's going to set up all the stuff, all the stuff in the future. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, mm. sure, okay, well, I can't. I have to like something that as it is at the moment. I can't <laughs> like something in the future. You know, they might they might branch off into something cool, but yep. um, maybe we'll see something. Maybe maybe I will look at fresh eyes at Eternals in the future. Yeah, I mean, no one seems. I think there's been a brief mention at one point about the fact that there's a giant fucking robot sticking out one part of the earth. Yeah, there's yeah, been a slight yeah. mention of it in future stuff. I think <laughs> they're just trying to forget about the Eternals, and yeah. I don't think we'll see a second movie. I think we might see the characters possibly, but. I don't know. I kind of see it. No. Yeah, Eternals <clears throat> two. I think they might be. It would be very brave of them to announce that. But mm. yeah, I don't think we're done with the characters. I, mm. I reckon they'll be popping up somewhere. Um, Pat knows well. They've missed a trick with the fact that Modok's coming in soon as well. He's going to be hundred percent being Modok. Yeah, you got to be in the seat that little series you had. But that have was you seen that? Really. No, I've not seen it. But it's I, really good. Um, but yeah, I don't know why he didn't, didn't like you know carry that on. But it's a shame. Right. But um. He's still, he's still going to be in it, and he's going to be in his kind of geeky stuff now, so it's quite good. Mm. I think I think even a ter- with Eternals not, obviously you're talking about the big, big hand, that big robot hand, they're not referencing She-Hulk like, when she's looking for the like, articles. Isn't it on, I think it's on a news channel. I think there's yeah, something yeah. at the bottom of the news, it says something about something sticking out of the ocean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's a very brief mention, that's what I mean, like because that's been a few <laughs> properties since then, and no one's kind of thought... Fucking hell. <laughs> Marvel um, love doing stuff like that. There's that moment in Wakanda Forever as well. Um, there's a, a, some TV playing in the background, and it shows how Marvel have trained me. Like, as soon as I see a TV in the background, I'm looking to see what the yeah, headlines yeah, yeah. are. Yeah. And one was um, Scott Lang starts his autobiography <laughs> tour, <laughs> which I think his autobiography is mentioned in the trailer for Quantum Mania. Mm. So it's yeah. little, yeah, little links like that. They love mm. it. George, have you seen the Modoc series? I saw the first couple of episodes, and I'll mm-hmm. be very honest, it was not for me. 
but I think Rob saw it um, mm. from the pod, and I think he enjoyed it. It's good fun. It's a very it's a robot chicken, and it's mm-hmm. like yeah, that style. It's good fun, passable and forgettable, but it's fun enough. It's because Modok's such a ridiculous character, and I can't wait yeah. to see him in <laughs> uh, Quantumania. I think it is. He's pop- yeah. popping up in, isn't he? I am inevitable. Right, we've waxed lyrical or discussed the MCU um, at fair length. Now we'll come on to the part of the show where we just have a chat about what we've seen recently. Uh, Larry, anything that you've watched that you would recommend or even say is shit? <laughs> um, don't watch Most Horrible Things, which are most right. reviewed for. Um, now, <laughs> I wrote a review for The Geek Show um, for that, that movie and um, Rob, our lovely lovely producer slash editor, mm-hmm. producer for this, editor for The Geek Show, had to sort of rewrite it with my permission <laughs> because I was so so aggressively against it. Aye. <laughs> I've like, as I said, I kept saying, Rob, I don't, please, like, is there any way that I can just like not do this? I've I've put myself in a corner here to apologise, but I can't believe he's like oh, don't, don't worry about this thing. You can just just try be as nice as you can. And he went and I said in the article he went, I don't think you I think you can be nice. <laughs> I was like okay, it's just a very very hard to watch, Amdram horror movie, hmm. um made by the guy who's like does all the effects for Jurassic Park, Captain Marvel, oh, AI. A guy who's worked with like the leading and big the biggest franchises and the or for the biggest names, yet can't make a sort of cohesive fucking horror movie mm. in twenty twenty two. Um but so that, that that's not great. I watched a film a, a, a Romanian film called Postmortem, which is a kind of a ghost story thing which was set in sort of um that the the kind of week of World War One, which is really good. Um, and I've just watched a couple, most recently some a couple of Sam Hong, Jackie Chan movies, um, because I got them, I got them quite a lot of. I found Music Magpie, Music Magpie are very very good for buying secondhand DVDs and Blu-rays. So mm, yeah, um, I was just buying loads of loads of shit in bulk. Um, mm, so if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see that I'm buying all the all the Music Magpie, Jackie Chan DVDs, <laughs> um. So yeah, but yeah, that's been what I've been watching mostly. That and then on TV, I've been watching eighteen ninety nine, which is mm. very very weird and fun and interesting. I saw episode one a couple of nights ago and really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's yeah. really and it's really mad, and it's getting madder. I've heard that if you like the show Dark, you might like that, but I've never seen Dark. Yeah, the same people, same people made Dark made this eighteen ninety nine. So yeah. this is more, this is more of an. I think dark is is it German? Is it? I mm-hmm. think of its own German language, but this one is like does a mix. Of, you know, There's Chinese French, and, Danish, yeah. English, um, I think German. Portuguese was in there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. very, very yeah. It's really and it's really good. Just I'm kind of maybe five episodes into it. I, I think I don't know how many episodes there is, but it's very it's gone very mental. Yeah, <laughs> um, definitely. Like, there's definitely bits where you at the end you go. What what what? <laughs> what do you what do you mean? And then I've been watching um, Cabinet of Curiosities, which is also amazing. Mm. 
Mm. I've just I finished that actually. Yeah. Um, interesting. Uh, I've thoughts on that. That could be an episode in itself as well. But um, George, what about yourself? Anything you've caught recently? Uh, well, a couple of films recently, I think. Uh, so, speaking of Harry Styles, um, I did manage mm. to get round to seeing. It uh, was it. Don't worry, darling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, have any of us seen that? No, not watching it yet. No, I have. So my wife went to see that. Um, my wife doesn't go to the, the cinema very often, but she really loves Lord's Pew. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the whole rigmarole around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She thought she'd go. So she went herself to see that, and she came back and went meh. And I read up the synopsis, and I kind of went meh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, your wife was very correct. Yes. Yeah. Um, I yeah, I tried to watch it, and um, obviously not take into account any of all this bullshit that's surrounding yeah. the film i guess because um, i really like book smart i thought um olivia wilde knocked that out of the park um but yeah uh, it's an interesting concept there's some interesting visuals in there florence Pugh, as always is uh fantastic but everything else didn't quite work for me it does really lose itself at the more it goes on and by the time you get to the the, the twist i guess in i guess in hyphens um it does fall apart so yeah yeah uh, that wasn't for me mm-hmm. but speaking of florence pew as well actually i this isn't maybe the best review for it i started watching her new film on netflix last night the wonder mm-hmm. and i did fall asleep halfway through but i was knackered <laughs> and i will say i was really really enjoying what i was watching so far yeah um, I've, I've got that uh, i had that on my list like they kind of give me a notification when it starts is, mm-hmm. is it a horror uh, I've I in the first half I had nothing horrific so far, mm. but um, it's in, t- in its uh, its tone, shall we say, is it's almost the tone of a horror film, but actually nothing horrific happening. Right, it's, okay. it's very cleverly um, made, and um, yeah, she plays an English nurse who gets sent to a small, tiny village in um, the countryside of Ireland to basically just investigate this young girl i think she's about 12 or 13 and she hasn't eaten in four months okay and she when florence arrives she's asking you know what condition the girl is in basically thinking she how is she even still alive Mm. and the girl seems in perfect health so she decides that she's going to perform a watch on this girl so basically be with her 24 7 to make sure that nothing nefarious is going on because the girl claims that yes, she hasn't eaten in four months, but yet she claims she's full. And what's keeping her full is the love of Jesus Christ. And it's very interesting mm. uh, so far. And yet, I, like like I said, the tone is fantastic. Florence, again, goes without saying, incredible. Uh, really, really intriguing. Uh, I will hopefully finish that tonight. Yeah, really, really enjoying that. Mm. Uh, anything else? Uh, let me have a quick think. Um, I'd say a couple of films I found really, really, really great in the last four or five weeks or so. Two films. One was Barbarian, which I think, uh, Andrew, and I think you've seen. Uh, yep. Larry, has you seen it as well? Yeah, we did a podcast yeah. about it. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, I loved Barbarian. And also um, The Banshees of Inishirin, I thought oh, was really, yeah, really yeah, good yeah. as well. Uh, that's uh, the new one from the guy who done In Bruges and Seven Yeah, Martin McDonough. Um, mm. Yeah, reunited the cast of um, Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell. And um, a, a beautiful, beautiful film. Kind of feels almost like a play at times. Um, yeah, heavily, heavily recommend that. Um, would not be surprised to see that get a couple of Oscar nominations. And I'd maybe, you know, 
put Colin Farrell as a cert for best supporting actor because cool. what character actor that guy has turned into. I think Colin yeah, Farrell definitely. is always strong. I love that guy. I mean, it's just a bit off topic, but it's um, Colin Farrell as the Penguin this year was brilliant. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, and he's getting his own TV show now as well as a Penguin, yeah, isn't yeah. he? Awesome. Aye. Aye. Um, yeah, definitely fancy Banshees in a year. And um, I, I just I don't think there was many showings kind of near mm. me for it, uh, but I definitely am looking forward to that. Uh, and The Wonder, as you're saying as well. Yeah. Um, I'll, as soon as I'm able to catch that, I will. Um, Myself, cinema-wise, um, I've not been a huge amount. The last thing, obviously, we touched on Wakanda Forever, which I thought was possibly 20 minutes too long, um, mm. but really well handled in terms of the, the the death of Chadwick Boseman, and they've done well to separate it. And it, it kind of feels that sometimes maybe a wee bit like two movies in one, mm-hmm. but I still thought it was really good. Um uh, really well handled, really great performances. Everyone's fantastic in it, I think, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, especially Angela Bassett is phenomenal. Speaking um, of Oscar nominations, for sure. Oh, you would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think she that would make her the first performance in the MCU to get nominated for an Oscar. Mm. Uh, I don't think there has been a performance yet. Uh, and I think if it was going to be one, I think it would, it would have to be her. There's two standout scenes, especially, and it's not giving away spoilers because I think they've both been in the trailer. Um, but you get a better context of them in the movie. It's in the UN mm-hmm. where she's addressing the French and the Americans. She is yeah. menacing and the anger that you can feel just kind of bubbling under the surface is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then in the throne room um, when she says, have I not given everything? Yeah. Again, the whole context of that scene is so much better seeing it in the movie. It's oh, fantastic. Um and I can't remember the, the, the actor is who plays Namor's name or Namor. 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 Can't remember. Whatever way you pronounce it. <laughs> I can't remember his his name, but he is very good as well. Yeah. Really enjoyed him. I thought he brought a, a kind of depth to Namor that was um sometimes I know actually uh, George's kinda of talk about this on your pod about the strength of MCU villains. Mm-hmm. He he felt like a strong one to me. Yeah. Um in terms of his, yeah, just you can kind of see did both that, perspectives. Yeah, of course, he did that wonderful thing of where we've got a villain here that doesn't look at, it, doesn't see himself as the villain. Yeah, yeah, to very me, Killmonger. That, that's, that's when they, yeah, exactly. That's when Marvel are always strong. I mean, look at, I mean, we have to look at Thanos. Essentially, um, to me, he's in the pantheon of the great movie villains of all time. That's mm. a guy that essentially is almost the protagonist of Infinity War himself. And you could look at that as the Avengers being the antagonists. And to him, because he's not being a villain, to, to Thanos, he's saving the universe. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you can look at uh, Namor as well. You know, I, maybe I won't spoil it, but when you kind of, when he says his reasonings for what he's doing and how, why he's doing it, you're like, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, that sounds good to me. And especially Killmonger as well. Like, they, I think they nailed him as well. Yeah, yeah. It was great. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens moving forward with that. Um, and I think, I'm, I see, I'm not a massive... I, I'm, in terms of comics, I'm more of a, a fair-weather reader, like in terms of I have The House of M, I have Death of Superman, I have mm-hmm. Marvels, I've got the big releases, Civil War. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't even think I've read anything with Namor in it. Is he's quite a kind of 
either side of the line character as well, isn't he? So yeah, very much an introduction um, to Namor for me. Yeah, mm. and I, I can't yeah. wait to see more. Right, yeah, really looking forward to it. Um, so movie-wise, in terms of the cinema, I think that's all I've seen. I watched the far, very first one of the Duon series, The Curse. Uh, so I watched Duon, The Curse. Mm-hmm. Um, I got the six movie, seven movie box set through from Arrow that I've got to write a review mm-hmm. for. Um, and it's of its time. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it was 2000, the very first one. So I've always thought The Grudge was the first movie. It's the third in the series. Um oh. And this is very homemade, low budget, not very great cameras, and um, it, fun enough. And there's definitely enough creepiness in it. Um, and it's only, I think, sixty five minutes as well. It's a very short movie. Well worth checking out just to see how it all kind of kicked off. And especially if you're of an era of the Tartanesia Extreme, yeah, um, DVDs that were out in the early knots, which I was a, a big fan of. Um, yeah. Well worth getting, and well worth checking out. Um, TV-wise, I have finished Cabinet of Curiosities. I have thoughts on it. Um, when it's great, I think it's really great. And when it's poor and a bit wanky, then I really don't like it. But there's a one particular episode that people seem to be fawning over, and I just really don't get it. I think it's called The Viewing, um, which is made by the guy that's on Mandy. Panos Cosmatos. Uh, Panos Cosmatos. Mm, no, nah, I don't like that episode at all. But um, and it, that's the wanky part I was going on about. Um, okay, okay. And I also watched, oh god, the Watcher. Mm, I heard. Yeah, oh, went off a fucking cliff and a half. That like every Ryan yeah. Murphy show does. You sit and you go, this looks as if it's going to be quite good. Like the ideas, the themes behind this, the, the way the plot's building up, and then just fucking yeah. off a cliff. And lands on the fucking rocks at the bottom by the end. Um, awful. Just really bad. And apparently they've greenlit season two. Um, and then especially when you're... I'm not going to get into everything about it. You read the background of the actual story. And The Watcher is all about... Well, these people get letters that are sent to them from this mysterious person. Based on a true story. The true story was one family got two letters and they didn't even live in the house because they were getting renovated. That was it. (laughs) That's the true story. And then all the shit that goes on behind it is on. No, it just angers me thinking about it because it's a waste (laughs) of seven hours. Um, And I've just started The White Lotus, which is fantastic. Season one or season two? Just started season one. Ah, okay, yes. I, I'm I'm getting ready to start season two. You're in for a ride with season uh, one, yeah. I've, I think there's only six episodes, so I've just watched mm-hmm. the third. It's so great. I mean, the cast is fantastic, isn't it? Oh, my God. Um, Jennifer Coolidge plays Jennifer Coolidge, which is yeah. always fun anyway, so that's fine. Um, but, yeah, really well worth checking out. Um, and I, I tried the Midnight Club, gave up on it. Um, and yeah, I, I gave it four episodes, and I... I, think- I I bowed out, yeah. Yeah, I think I was a bit the same for that as well. Yeah. And I think that's um that's all I've watched. I have not been I've not not in a huge amount of cinema time. I don't know if the last time we were on if I'd mentioned that I saw Smile. Um mm-hmm. which wasn't great either, very overhyped in terms of the marketing and then it didn't mm. get great reviews anyway. Um 
Barbarian, as George was talking about, I went down to Leicester Square for the press screening and that, which was a tiring experience, but I, thank God the movie wasn't shit. Mm. <laughs> Two overnight buses in the space of 24 hours. <laughs> the movie had been bad. Uh, honestly, I don't know what yeah. I'd have done. This Christmas, for the first time, America's most exciting and legendary motion picture hero comes to the screen like you've never seen him before. The Bat! In an all-new, larger-than-life feature film. <laughs> now, the Dark Knight confronts his newest and most menacing villain. Your angel of death awaits. The Phantasm. I want you. And faces his greatest danger. Be too careful with all those weirdos around. A soaring new adventure. Batman, Mask of the Phantasm. The animated movie. Coming for a Christmas you'll never forget. So now we'll get into the kind of main meat of the podcast and it's fallen on from Mark Hamill's appearance in the John Carpenter TV movie from 93, 94, Body Bags. Um, and because of that, as we usually do, we look at another one of his back catalogue and we've went with the classic Batman Mask of the Phantasm, the animated movie. Um, before we get into this, I think it's maybe best to touch on Kevin Conroy, who died at the time of recording, died last week. It was Larry, wasn't it? Yeah, last Wednesday, Thursday, something like that. Wednesday, yeah, Thursday, something. Yeah, and he'd been battling cancer. Um, I think secretly, I certainly hadn't seen announcements. Usually, you see these things if they want yeah. it released in the press. And um, I mean, I, in terms of my relationship with the Batman animated stuff. I'm not huge on it. Like I've always have loved Mask of the Phantasm. I had some of the animated series on video when I was younger. Um, but for a lot of people, he was Batman. He was the voice of Batman. He was their Batman. I think he got to actually play Bruce Wayne live action, maybe in an episode of Arrow or something like that. Or yeah, so exactly they, had like, they had a big crossover thing, like Legends of Tomorrow and Flash and Arrow. So they all kind of mixed in together. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to play sort of a kind of a very sort of not crippled Batman, but you know, an old, a very old version of Batman. Right, okay. Kind of um, similar to, I don't know if you watched, um, oh God, what's it called? Titans? Have you seen that? Yeah, kind of like that, a little bit more, but a little bit more like kind of Batman Beyond, but he's kind of a lot older and. Right, cool. Um, I think he voiced nice. Batman and Batman Beyond as well, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So what's your kind of relationship with the animated stuff? Are you big on it? Is it a big big thing for you? Me? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's been something that I, was, I, I loved when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I think it's... I remember first kind of seeing it and thinking it was very adult. Like, we're going to get to see something that was very, like... It looked almost like it was made for grown-ups. It was so, like, dark and very, like... Um, very grown up for a kids TV show I thought mm-hmm. you know it's not really it dealt with a lot of stuff like loss you know like, like kind of like Mr. Freeze is kind of quite a kind of a, a sad sort of 
kind of tragic kind of character in it. Mm-hmm. He does not seem as a very kind of like campy over the top thing as he is, you know, in the sixty series or in Batman and Robin. <laughs> he's very much, he's very, um, very tragic in a backstory. And those are the that makes for one of the kind of the one of the best episodes of Batman. Um, but yeah, stuff. It looks it looks amazing. Even obviously we'll get to it with Mask of Phantasm, but mm. watching it recently again, you know, with kind of older eyes, it still looks amazing. It's the acting's amazing in it. Kevin Conroy he just he just is Batman. When it comes it comes down to it, if I think if I want like Kevin Smith said, you know, if you read a comic book now and watching that series, you hear you hear that voice. Mm-hmm. You don't hear you don't hear Michael Keaton. You don't hear. Val Kilmer, you hear that voice. You certainly hear Chris, yeah. Christian Bale or anything. You, you hear Kevin Conroy's voice if you're grown up with those cartoons. So, yeah, no, I, I, I think it's just so, such a beautiful TV show. Um, I need to pick it up on Blu-ray. I, I always, every year, I tell myself I'm going to pick it up. I need to go and buy it. I see it in the shops. I yeah. go, I'm just going to go and buy it. But this year will be the, the year I just go. I physically told my girlfriend. Please buy me this. It's, I think if you're going to do it at any point, you're going to do it now. So yeah, yeah, it's just an it's just an awesome show that still sticks up today, holds up today, should say. Yeah, definitely. Um, George, I think we spoke before. Was this your first kind of yeah introduction? Well, I remember because I thought kind of when you said uh, we're going to be doing an episode on Mask of the Phantasm. I kind of felt like what Colin feels like. It was a it was a <laughs> you know a reaction of cool uh let's give it a watch so i ended i i bought it i'd never seen it before mm-hmm. um in terms of my background with batman um obviously i grew up on on your obviously your, your films starting with your tim burton films and stuff yeah. like that and i've always been a big fan of the characters um i've never really delved into any of the animated stuff no matter how many times i hear it, it's absolutely amazing mm-hmm. um and obviously, a big uh, my first introduction, uh, quite shamefully, maybe um, for in terms of Kevin Conroy, um, was the um, Batman Arkham computer games. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Because uh, obviously, he voiced Batman in there as well. And uh, yeah, so ever since it's, I've kind of always, and like like you just said, Larry, if there's ever a time to go back and start the animated series, I guess it's now. So mm-hmm. I will be doing it soon for sure. And to completely echo as well, Larry, what you said, uh, in terms of what Kevin Smith said, I thought was so touching as well. Like, if you look at in terms of legacy, then that is absolutely huge, where you could look at a comic panel and see a, a, an animated picture of Batman, and in your head you hear Kevin Conroy's voice. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, yeah, there's not much more beautiful things that you could say than that uh, yeah uh, what an impact he had for for mm. batman fans around the world mm-hmm. yeah definitely i, I remember him um, i remember actually when i was younger i got bought a, a couple of vhs's um and i thought it was the adam west tv show yeah <laughs> just I assumed it was adam west tv show and i've been quite disappointed because it was the the animated <laughs> series but at the time i hadn't watched the animated series so i had watched wee bits and pieces of it then um, I think Kevin Conroy as well, maybe worth touching on, he's quite an a, an important person in terms of, there was a comic released a few years back about him coming to terms with being a gay man. Um, and it was, a, it was a comic strip and it helped that Batman helped him find his voice. Mm. Obviously, wow. personally, I can't talk about that. Um, yeah, of course. Straight, white male, I, um, <laughs> 
But I think it's just important to mention that, like, he he felt that, and, and you should look up the comic the comic strip. I think it was twenty twenty or maybe twenty nineteen. It was released, um, and it's talking about him being. I think it would have been in the eighties, maybe late eighties, early nineties, when he would have. Um, tried for the role and him coming to come, coming to terms or not maybe not coming to terms with being gay but certainly finding mm-hmm. his confidence and his yeah finding his voice as Batman mm-hmm. um which really helped him and I think that would have been a big inspiration for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, Especially when you look at you know the DC output and these DC characters obviously they're not the target audience isn't that maybe that a, a gay audience it's that straight white male audience and then for you know batman of all people to come out and you know like you said make a, a comic strip about it uh is incredibly brave incredibly progressive and um yeah like i said a testament to the guy again what an, mm-hmm. what an impact Absolutely. what a legacy i, I, yeah. I agree can i agree more yeah um the last thing i would like to touch on dc animation for things that i've seen is the Harley Quinn TV show? I don't know if any of you have watched that. I hear it's great. Yeah, yeah, quite like it. It's very funny. Fantastic. Um, it's um, Kaylee Coco versus uh, voices Harley Quinn. Um, in fact, the voice casting is great. I've not got it on me at the minute. It's very. Um, do you know what? It feels quite robot chickeny as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like really in terms like of the humour. It's Alan Alan, Alan Tudyk from. Talking Dale versus Evil, he's quite a, quite, he's he's a Joker in it. As well. I think so. A Joker, and I think he's also um, oh God, maybe Killer Croc in it as well, or a Scarecrow in it. Hmm. And uh, one fun cheese is King Shark. It's good. It's just it's really, really, really funny. Really it's funny. very maybe like it's, it's third it's, series now or something. And it's very like it's not a not a kids TV show in any way, shape, or form. Mm. It's very, mm. very graphic and very sweary. Yeah, no, there's lots of fuck yous. This yes. is always fun. Is it the awesome thing, yeah. uh, I just I just thought I'd touch on that because it is very well worth checking out. It's DC animation. Um I think say DC animated um movies are quite a big thing. Yeah. I've watched a couple of them. I think I watched the Flashpoint uh, animation. Flashpoint's I watched good, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, and I watched uh, the Dark Side War. I think was one of them. Um and I'm, yeah, on year, I'm on year one's good. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's under, a, under that Grant Miller. Grant, yeah. Miller um, Grant Miller comic, isn't it? Your one? Yeah, and then under mm. under Red Hood's really good. Yeah, um, the Dark Knight Returns, the two the two parter one, really really awesome. The, the original really one for the the eighties that was um. No, no, no. That yes, that was that was a comic book. Yeah, but they made off the two films. The film, right? Aye. Yeah, yeah. Peter, sorry, Peter, I think Peter Well from Robocop was the voice of Batman in that, which is oh, right, cool. a pretty wow. cool, fa- cool thing for me. Yeah, mm. I always remember starting them um, at one point. I was getting into comics and I'd done the Dark Knight. Oh, god, I can't even remember what it was called, but they'd done another version of the Dark Knight Returns, and it's like a few years later. Yeah, it was not great. Is it Frank? I said Grant Miller, it's Frank Miller, isn't Frank it? Miller, Grant yeah, yeah, Miller. Frank Miller, yeah, Frank Miller. Yeah. I'm getting mixed up. Um. Yeah, uh, year one. That was I that was really good. Um I'm trying to think of any other animations that I've seen. I've seen a couple of Superman as well. And yeah, DC animation studios I think is quite a big thing, but I suppose you don't really know what's going to happen with DC now that they've been taken over by Discovery and they just think let's cancel a whole movie that was shot in Glasgow that I would have spent the whole time watching. Yeah, yeah, I've been there. Yeah. I've been there. Uh, but a new CEO in James Gunn. Yeah, that's good. 
Yeah, that's absolutely. good news for everyone, isn't it? Surely. Mm. Uh, James Gunn and someone else as well. It's a, like a double. One of his producing uh, partners. Yeah, I think uh, they've worked together a couple of times. Yeah, because I think they had a big. Um, it was Jeff Johns mm-hmm. was a big part of it, and then I think he was part of the whole Ray Fisher controversy, yeah. and they'd put a lot of faith in um, Joss Whedon as well um, to kind of dig them out a hole. Joss Whedon is what he is, and he done a great job with some Avengers movies, and but he's clearly a, a cunt of a man. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, and see, no matter what you think about Zack Snyder, and I have a bit of time for Zack Snyder's DC movies, I think he's clearly a guy that knows what he wants to make, um, and whether he pulls it off or not, I admire his... <laughs> I, I, do you know what? I like them. I do like them, um, especially the Batman versus Superman director's cut. Um, and the, I really like the Zack Snyder's Justice League or the Snyder cut. I really, really like that. Um, but he also seems like he's got a bit of uh, a bit of um, niceness about him. Is there maybe the, the wrong word to use? He seems like a nice guy. Yeah, so I, yeah. I'd quite like that. A nice guy who's maybe flawed in his vision, but at least he tries to pull it off. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd rather that than Joss Whedon. Exactly. Yeah. True. So begins the end for Dark Side. I've never seen a being this strong. Maybe one. He's back. I spent a lot of time trying to divide us. I made a promise to him on his grave. I need to bring us together. There are enemies coming from far away. They serve an old power. This world is divided. No protectors here. No lanterns. No Kryptonium. It will fall in his name. I have turned worlds to dust. All of existence shall be mine. I have a second chance. They said the age of heroes would never come again. Fighting the devil and his army. And now, I don't care how many demons he's fought and how many hells, he's never fought us united. It's time to stand. The time is now. But yeah, come on, um, Mask of the Phantasm. We've obviously got Kevin Conroy as Batman, Bruce Wayne, Mark Hamill as Joker, Stacey Keats as Carl Beaumont, um, Dana Delaney as Andrea Beaumont. 
And it basically tells the story of an almost Batman lookalike who is murdering criminals and the Batman's taking the blame for it. But we're also getting a look into Bruce Wayne's early years with his, what essentially seems to be the love of his life and Andrea Beaumont. Mm-hmm. Um, it had been a while since I watched this and I remember from the last time that I'd watched it, really enjoying it, really loving it and thinking it was great. I didn't realise there was so much of an interest in kind of Bruce Wayne's early story. Mm. Um, how do you think that works, Larry? Like, looking back at Bruce Wayne and his early life, it's not something that happens a huge amount, like, especially in the live-action movies. We get mentions of, like, his relationship with Rachel Dawes or um, you obviously get his orphanage tale and things like that, but it's not yeah. something that you hear a massive amount of. No, I think it's, it's kind of meant to be it's the films. The, the kind of when I talk about the films, I'm talking about the live action films. Mm-hmm. They're more centered on him being kind of a, a, the kind of playboy, maybe having this, maybe a, you know a certain kind of dalliance for like maybe you know like on the first film movies like Vicky Vale and Catwoman, mm-hmm. Selena Kyle, and then obviously in other ones it's kind of it's either Nicole, Nicole Kidman or it's maybe fancying Poison Ivy or something like that, but you don't really know him as like this, because it kind of spoiler it in terms of the film, it, it does kind of focus, like you said, on very early days and him being like, well, do I really want to do this? Is as much of a point if I've got um this person that like, cares about me and doesn't want me to do this stuff? Because yeah. you kind of find out kind of quite, she finds out quite early on what he's up to. Mm-hmm. And sort of goes well. You don't need to do this. It's you know that revenge is like not worth it. Um, yeah. So it's an, an interesting point, and there's, a, and there's some really kind of cool little bits, like you say, that um, kind of point to kind of start. You even see the, the Batmobile yeah. from the series, you know, kind of teased a little bit, the big the kind of halfway through it. So it's kind of interesting that when you get to see like you know a, a kind of guy who's kind of um, Bruce being a bit more. In the days before he decided, like Batman is the way I have to be now, mm-hmm. and you can realize how he goes f- further that way, and how he kind of becomes more of like maybe a bit more colder, a bit more like less interested in women, I suppose, in a way. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, just what you're saying there about the the kind of Batmobile getting found, and I don't really know when the movie set. There's obviously no kind of time frame for mm-hmm. it, but. The it was quite cool. I don't know if you thought yourself, George, seeing this kind of world of tomorrow style. Almost kind of like we spoke about the first Avenger earlier on. It's very mm-hmm. like Stark Expo style, nineteen um, fifties imagining of the future. Yeah, really I, I think the whole film was having a quite a lot of fun in terms of its its visual style. So you know, I've got it noted that you know, it's it found this really really tight balance between. I think your sort of classic era Hollywood movie. It mm. was obviously very noir heavy um, visually as well, but then you know, massive on like German expressionism as well. If you really want to look into it, like some shots with the Phantasm, especially um, in like the graveyard, etc., when um, um, he's, he's killing some of the mob folk, really like out there in terms of its yeah expressionism. And then yeah, the, the World Fair. 
suddenly you're almost it's like almost jetsons 50s 60s style yeah. sort of animation yeah. and uh, ideas in there as well they were clearly having uh, a lot of fun with that and um speaking of like seeing bruce wayne like um early days of bruce wayne as well yeah it was quite interesting to see them take a whole new approach to the story. I think when re- um, researching this film as well, one of the words that kept popping up was romance. And that's a word you definitely never expect to see when it comes to um, either a DC property or especially Batman as well. Mm-hmm. But I did really like how they still kept that tradition though of Bruce Wayne must never be happy. I, I think that's yeah. your always yeah. your, your one rule. There's that moment at the beginning of the film as well, um, when he's at the graveyard and I think he um, meets uh, Andrea Beaumont for the first time. And they have that sort of like little um, meet cute and um, she drives off and Bruce actually watching her drive off, cracks a smile for once. We see Bruce Wayne crack a smile, but then the second that smile appears, you know, across his face, um, it immediately the sun completely vanishes as clouds <laughs> overshadow it, um, and it's you hear thunder in the back in the background and stuff like that. And you know that's a you know perfect foreshadowing as well, mm-hmm. but b the perfect fucking metaphor for the life of Bruce Wayne, and uh, yeah. kind of sets you up for um, everything that we're about to see for the next uh, hour and twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Um... It's as you're saying, yeah. Bruce Wayne should never be happy, and it's it's interesting. It's really interesting take on seeing him in that early life, mm. kind of before Batman. Um, the one of the things about it is, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. It's very, I felt, is certainly action light mm. in terms overall of the the movie. Like it's. The main focus isn't like I don't even think Batman fights the phantasm fully. No, in not terms really, of no. has it has a kind of one to one battle. The phantasm is this phantasm is is this um, strange spectre kind of hovering in the background that is framing Batman for certain things, but yeah. never comes face to face. And I think that's one of the more surprising aspects of it, knowing it's this classic Batman animated movie, you think there would be action set pieces and the best fight scenes you've ever seen in, in an animation and yeah. but it's not really about that, it's very much about the character of Bruce his relationship with Andrea and how that has shaped his life as he's went forward. I don't yeah. quite know where this stands morally with Warner Brothers, but I know that one of their directives they said to um, the creatives behind this was make it for adults and market it for kids, which I, I don't, well, we'll see yeah. about that. But then I think you, I found it interesting as well that I think Phantasm is never referred to as Phantasm in the film, mm. if I'm correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yet again, it's that whole let's market it as you know, the mask of the Phantasm, this big whodunit, uh, Batman versus this new vigilante. But it, it's, it's not really that, it is, it is a romance. Uh, uh, at its heart at its center really and there's this really one i think it's more of a character piece uh yeah. exactly and i think that kind of maybe fits into their make it for adults market it for kids and some yeah. of the character work hits really hard towards the end i found and mm. um, there's lots of talk where bruce mentions the plan uh the plan i guess of his life um he has it in his head for how the rest of his life is is, is going to pan out and you know we never get to know really what the plan is but 
being seeing that as, as it's Bruce Wayne, I can imagine it's not all puppies and vacations in the Maldives. But <laughs> we get this little line towards the end of the film. I, I had to write it down. It's please, I need it to be different now. I, I know I made a promise, but I didn't see this coming. I didn't count on being happy. Please tell me that it's okay. And I was like, this is a fucking Batman movie. (laughs) This film, yeah, it had me by the balls. It was really good. Yeah. Is that in front of his his parents' grave? Uh, I think so, yeah. It's it's, it's definitely in the the second half of the film once everything starts uh, sort of falling apart, yeah. Mm -hmm. As you're saying, in terms of the title of the movie... The marketing is based around a face-off between Batman and the the Phantasm. Some mm. air quotes works really well on audio, um, <laughs> and it doesn't really touch on that. It's, as you're saying, it's not it's not about a battle. It, well, it is about a battle. It's a battle between Bruce Wayne and what he wants. Does he want love or does he want um, a, a life of loneliness? Essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't get to make the choice, which is the interesting thing. The choice is forced on him. Yes. Um, Andrea <clears throat> leaves him. Uh, well, Andrea essentially leaves his life, so he, he takes on the mantle of Batman, um, which is really interesting, as we said. But it's, it's a, a side of Bruce Wayne we don't really see. It's a side that's sometimes hinted at in live action, but never fully explored in live action, even. <clears throat> Even in Batman Begins, mm-hmm. it was never really, really explored. Um, in terms of the Phantasm, for me, having forgotten who <laughs> the person was, it seemed very obvious from the off. But I'd obviously, I don't think that is the main crux of the story anyway. You're not really... Trying to no. find out, as you're saying, as George was saying, like the who done it side of it. Um, yeah. But the phantasm is Andrea. Is something we find out later on. Um, Larry, you was it as obvious to you as well? Was there a bit of then you might already know the story. Yeah, I mean, so I, I, I've obviously I've seen it, you know, multiple times. That is one of my my favorite Batman movies. We mm-hmm. talked to each other go about our favorite Batman's and our favorite yeah. Batman movies and. We weren't allowed to pick Mask of the Phantasm. Um, Because it was live action. Because it was live action, yeah. But I mean, so, but, yeah, but it's, if I was going to pick, you know, my favourite Batman movie, it'd probably be this one, to be honest with you, like. um, But yeah, like, it's, so knowing, watching it again, obviously you know, you know from the outset that it's going to be like that, but I don't know, like, I suppose when I was a kid, I seen it for the first time. I was, I would definitely, I was definitely a case of like, oh my god, how could it be her? It's got a man's voice. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I like an old, an old actor man's voice. But he definitely knew that it was like it was going to be somebody new, or somebody that you know that was sort of hinted at for the the film. But yeah, I didn't think it would at that time. When I was younger. I didn't think it was going to be her, but. Um, I think it's I think it's an interesting story, but as you both said, it's it's sort of second secondary to the rest of the movie. It's it's mm-hmm. more it's more of like a romantic origin story for Batman than it is a, ma- mm-hmm. a phantasm movie, really. Yeah, it's almost like um, I mean, you couldn't exactly market it as Batman 
the Richard Curtis story, but it certainly goes more for Richard Curtis style movie than I'm saying Richard Curtis just because he's the only rom com guy I can think, and there's not even much com in this. <laughs> <laughs> he's the rom. Um, the the voice of the phantasm is actually Stacey Keach. I didn't realise that. That's who. Yeah, I, didn't, I don't know until why I, I got yeah, mixed yeah, yeah. up earlier on. Um, George, what about yourself? Did, did, it's quite. Did it seem quite obvious who the phantasm was for you? I will say the first time we see the phantasm, he's obviously he's fighting uh, one of the mob members, um, Chucky, mm. in the multi-story car park. Now, obviously, this scene begins with Batman sort of interrupting their meeting, flying through the window. Um, yeah, and then uh, Chucky ends up running off, and Batman immediately follows him. And then Chucky comes face to face with the Phantasm. They have a fight for a couple of minutes, and then once Chucky is disposed of, Batman then arrives. And I had the tiny idea in the back of my head. I was like, "I could be really brave here." Is is this Bruce Wayne having like a bit of a a, a, mm. a breakdown here? Is he Phantasm? Yeah. Um, because to me, Batman was right behind Chucky. Um, obviously, I got to about halfway through the film, I realised I was very wrong. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I don't think it's it's not a who done it in the classic sense or, or who is it, because you know it doesn't. You know, we don't have a ton of people. I think Larry, as you just said, to yeah. deduct as to who it could be. Usually, in these sort of classic scenarios, we get four or five characters, and oh, it could be them. It could be them. By the time you know. By the halfway point, I think the film gave us no other choice but to think it was Andrea. No, but um, yeah. the, the payoff still works. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. just what it of what it does to Batman because there's many talks of this vengeance in the film, and obviously that's that's Batman's whole thing. He's avenging the deficits of of his parents, and that's why he's Batman. And he, you know, kind of says to her at one point, "You you don't want to do this, don't." lead straight down this path but she's doing exactly what he's doing mm. maybe she's just taking it that one step further and actually killing people so it was very interesting to see bruce almost look at himself in the mirror and tell that person don't go down that path don't yeah. don't you don't want to be doing that i yeah very interesting character aspect there yeah definitely i think, I think also comes off as i think even even she says like andrea says like you're almost being kind of hypocritical like you've Mm. You're in your life is down this now, like I'm only doing this for this sort of bit. You've just kind of completely chosen this this dark period. How can you how can you say how can you stand there like in a in a costume, pretend <laughs> you're a bat and say and tell me not to like seek vengeance? Uh, so it's interesting, it's definitely an interesting way of looking at it. And Andrew, you said this was a rom without the com. I got, I got to say, there's a couple of funny points in it for me. It definitely made me laugh a couple of times. There's that mm. wonderful moment when Bruce is at the, um, a party at the beginning. And he's obviously surrounded by women because he's Bruce Wayne. And, and <laughs> someone asks him why he's not married yet. And another woman says, oh, we don't mention the M word around Bruce. And uh, I think this <laughs> other woman says, what about the I word? And he goes, the I word? And she's like, engagement, <laughs> which very, very much made me laugh. Um, yeah, but then I also funny. love the shot at the end. I think it's the Joker is fighting with Andrea, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And she has him pinned down to a table. I think she's choking him. And we see his arm stretch out to the table and he can grab one of two things. I think it's a butcher knife yeah, or a massive yeah. bologna. Yeah, and then suddenly the in the next shot, he's back off off the table and he hits around the face with a sausage. That's, just, that's <laughs> really, really funny because I was like, that was, yeah, that's, that's perfect. Joker. Very funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, 
we'll come on to then actually Mark Hamill's Joker. Um, nice we kind of segue there. It definitely, he is the most mischievous Joker I think that we've ever seen. Yes. Um, we've had obviously um, Cesar Romero, which was fairly mischievous and yes, I would say so. Yeah, yeah. harmless. Um, Jack Nicholson, who was a crime lord and fairly vindictive. We had the incredibly smart and intelligent Heath Ledger iteration of it, um, but still very dark. We had whatever the fuck Jared Leto done. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and now, now we've actually had Barry Keoghan's, in a lesser extent, obviously. Yeah. Kind of, uh, what is it you say, uh, Colin? Uh, Colin, George, next time, baby. That's next time, baby. Next time, baby. Yeah. For Barry Hogan as the Joker. Um, this iteration is very much the mischievous one. Yes. The one that would go for, as you're saying, he would go for the sausage over the knife because he <laughs> find it. He would find it funny. Mm-hmm. Um, Even if her- it meant killing him in the process, <laughs> yeah. at least yeah, he'd yeah, go yeah, out like... fighting with a sausage in his hand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. And uh, George, how do, how do you feel? I think Mark Hamill's voice is spot on, mm. um, especially for obviously the animation kind of uh, suits the voice and everything, but. It just seems perfect. His his iteration of the Joker, I think, is I don't necessarily know if it would work in live action movies, but it's yeah it, for the for the media it certainly works. For for this format, it works perfectly. And like I said, I definitely come from the background of the Arkham game. So not only is Kevin Conroy my Batman from that, but obviously Mark Hamill was uh, the Joker in there as well. Mm-hmm. But in terms of this, um, yeah, the voice acting and the character work was both great. Um, just a pure evil, but like you said, he, he he's all about the, the chaos, much like the Heath Ledger Joker as well. And there was something really, really chilling, actually, about, I can't remember the character's name, but he uses the, the Joker's toxin on one guy, and we see a shot of him, or yeah. a scene with him in the hospital. And he's laughing hysterically. Obviously, the voice is contort- the, his face is contorted in a way where he can't stop smiling. Um, and they're, they're trying to, they're putting different injections into him, just trying to um, calm him down, essentially. Mm. And he's screaming, I'm trying, I'm trying my best. Like, I, I'm doing everything I can to stop being like this. Just screaming, laughing at them. Terrifying. Um, but yeah. at the same time, like, again, um, hilarious. There's that moment where he does have that showdown with Batman at the end in sort of like the model city. And (laughs) there's this gorgeous and hilarious shot where Batman's looking for the Joker and you see uh, at the top of a skyscraper sort of walking behind him. Um, And it's it's Joker wearing, I guess, uh, one of the model skyscrapers as a hat. Absolutely hilarious. I absolutely love that. It's one of the ridiculous moments of the film. Um, but yeah, I, I I absolutely love the Joker in this, and especially like we've said, Mark Hamill. He is the Joker for sure. Okay. Above Heath Ledger. Ooh. Oh, God. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe, maybe, but it's very, very close. I I think we can't. What it's can we mediums, say? Isn't it? It's... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know, would it work in live action? I don't know because I remember I used to watch the Flash TV show. And, <laughs> They definitely oh, yes. invited they invited Mark Hamill on 
um, for a couple of episodes or two. And he, they, they, they definitely said to him, just play the Joker. The trick study was, wasn't it? Yes. That was it. The trickster, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think he also played the trickster in like the eighties flash show as well. Or yeah, and in the nineties um, one with John Wesley Shop, yeah. That's it, mm. yeah. But he's yeah, he's yeah. obviously uh, got very um he's got covered in makeup and he's using the Joker voice. And for me it didn't work as well on screen. So who's to say? Well maybe mm. we just say the obvious uh, on on screen live action it's Heath Ledger, but um any other format be it okay. audio book yeah uh, video game anything like that it, it, it belongs to mark hamill no i think what we see is they all have their positive elements apart from jared leto because fuck yeah. him um <laughs> uh yeah larry for yourself the joker yeah that's i mean that's the, i mean i like i watched the because the sexy tv show when i was a kid but mark hamill is the joker to me when I, as uh, much like Kevin Conroy, those two guys, him and Kevin, Mark Hamill and Kevin, should say, they were just, they were the Batman Joker. They were that, that's it. Like, if I think about the Joker, especially now we've played the Arkham games, if I read a Joker comic or like, if I want to watch an animated version of the Joker, I want to hear Mark Hamill's voice. And mm-hmm. there's other guys have done um, a decent job. Alan Tudyk does a great job of being the Joker, mm-hmm. and he's quite similar in that sort of Mark Hamill vein. Um, but yeah, Mark Hamill is like is the voice, and he's like so good at it. And I think it's because I'm such a big Star Wars fan, so, and I don't hear Luke Skywalker when I when I I don't hear Mark Hamill when I hear the Joker. I just hear. Him, I just hear the Joker. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like so different, and he's like, that's possibly why I find it so interesting and so such an amazing performance is because he's been this guy, he's been this virtuous hero guy for not known as this virtuous hero guy for so so long, and then he gets into this TV show and he's like the most villainous, mm. horrible, mischievous little shit <laughs> to Batman. <laughs> But um, in the whole series, he just he's so so good. There's so mm. many good episodes of that of that of, of him playing off Kevin Conroy, and I mm. think he spoke about it before. He's like, I just the minute we met, we met each other. We're just like we're just friends, and then we were just enemies on the screen. Mm. And I think we just that made us the best. So I think, yeah, Mark Hamill is, is the Joker to me, and he always will be. I mean, Heath, Heath Ledger again is as take you both is is the live action Joker. When I think of, you know, Joker on, you know, as a a real tangible human being, that's who I think of. But mm-hmm. um and also to a less extent Cesar Romero as well. I love Cesar Romero. And I love Jack Nicholson. Cesar Romero I like him because he's a bit more like daft. He's very, very very of the time and very like mm-hmm. campy. But that's kind of like what I like about the Joker as well. I like the kind of campiness of it. I like the the daftness of it. I like the the, the grease paint makeup over the, the moustache. <laughs> um, I like of that of all. But yeah, like yeah, that's I just love. I just love. I can I I could spend hours talking about the series and and Mark Hamill. But mm. yeah, that's that's awesome. So essentially, what we're Joker. all saying. 
Yeah, so, yeah, we're all saying the same thing. I think we're all. T- we're yeah, well, we saying the same thing that Jared Leto is fucking rubbish. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's that's what we're saying. If we were talking about the Joker in the Mask of the Phantasm just a little bit more, it's really, I really do apologise for lowering the tone here, lads. But no. the Joker's definitely fucking that robot, right? Yes. Oh, hundred percent. And there's even a line they talk about, like, like her having a. Head there's there's a couple something. of lines. There's one yeah, thing yeah. he says to her. I can't quite remember the line, but then um, there's one line when Phantasm turns up, and he was like, "Just when we were getting in the mood," I'm like, "Whoa!" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's I also think he's playing some sort of weird game of danger sausage where he's sticking his dick on that chopping board <laughs> yeah, and the knife is going and he's seeing if he can pull out in time. <laughs> I'd also like to point, Definitely. Point, point out this in this movie. <laughs> this movie leads up to like obviously the phantasm like, like the last person she's got she's got to deal with is a joker. Mm. And then so the Joker's sort of a victim in this whole thing. And then Batman just like, I'm just gonna beat him up beat up now. Let's have a fight now. Go for it. So it just <laughs> the end the end scene just kinda of turns into just another J- Batman and Joker fight. Like he's like, <laughs> yeah, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting battered here, like and now you're coming in like just now now gonna to, gotta to take a tank in from you as well. It's really unfair, but he loves he's like he's like, Bring on, I'm ready to fight you. Well that was the thing, obviously it comes down to one of the interesting kind of plot twists is that Andrea's dad was killed by the Joker, maybe in his uh, his early form. I don't know. You don't really get given his mm. name. Yeah, Quite an interesting we plot twist in it that it's him before because Batman sees the photo and then just draws a smiley face on him and goes <laughs> well, that that's my, be him. I, I <laughs> thought that because he, Batman's always known as the world's greatest detective isn't he and I think Andrea <laughs> even refers to him at that at one point and the only detective work we see him do in this film is draw a smiley face on a photograph Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> he's just going and beating up guys with long faces and big noses because yeah, he acts yeah. the Joker <laughs> Andrea I saw your picture <laughs> fuck you Joker <laughs> chasing after them <laughs> poor guy's just uh, at his shops getting some chocolates for his wife yeah. Batman's seen his picture drawing a smiley face and beats his shit out of him Bruce Boy. certainly is an odd one in this film I've got to say that you know um, obviously the reason Bruce Wayne is, is single and maybe famously so is he knows why it's because he's Batman um, mm. I don't think that's necessarily the case in Mask of the Phantasm though because there's moments in this film where he's Ron fucking Burgundy um, that <laughs> wonderful moment <laughs> after he's had the sort of meet-cute with uh, Andrea at the graveyard, and she arrives at his house, and he's in his garden in full karate gear, just doing <laughs> karate moves in the garden. And she's she fully tries to start a conversation with him, and he's he's given her one-word answers and just continues to do all these karate moves in the background. And she's obviously like, oh, so what are you doing? And he screams at her, jujitsu. And I was yeah, like, yeah, this yeah. is Ron Burgundy. Like, this isn't Bruce Wayne. Who is this yeah, guy? Yeah, that, was, that was a um, cool moment for me. Yeah, it's it's definitely worth noting as well that that scene ends with her. I think he kicks her in the legs, he swipes her, and they fall on yeah. the floor, and it ends with them kissing. It was straight out of a scene from Anchorman. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. It's like I've just done a thousand. <laughs> it says in Anchorman. Exactly. Yeah, it was one. If you heard, I've that, just done yeah. a th- done almost a thousand. Just doing leg kicks, and he's like nine hundred ninety eight, nine hundred ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. It is very. Um, yeah, I think it's just Bruce Wayne in general is just a strange yeah. man. Yeah, any yeah. any iteration of him, like he's just a bit of a weird guy. Maybe a bit too serious in the Zack Snyder stuff, but yeah. I mean, you see him. He's someone who just keeps adopting young boys. 
yeah. and then dressing them up in spandex. <laughs> yeah, that's strange. Yeah, yeah, that's a... <laughs> I think even the Lego Batman takes the piss out of that at one point. Oh, I put Lego <laughs> Batman as one of my favourite Batman movies. Oh, I'm not a fan of it. I, th- I, th- not, I think I it was so hyped. Adore it. I think I need to rewatch it, but I remember going into cinema really hyped. Kind of the opposite from the Lego movie, where I was going into the Lego movie going, this is going to be shit. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I went into Lego Batman going, this is going to be amazing. <laughs> and I just couldn't get into it as much, but. I've not watched it since, so I think I need to give it a wee rewatch. Um, so we'll kind of come to the, the end of the movie then. We get, as you said, Barry, we get a Batman and Joker fight. Yeah. It's, it's a Batman and Joker fight. It's yeah. Joker enjoying getting the shit kicked out of him and Batman just angrily punching. Um, there's a, a, a huge explosion in which you wonder if Andrea and the Joker have been killed in it because she is essentially willing to kill off Joker and herself at the same time, is mm. how it seems. Bruce is obviously mourning the loss of Andrea. And then he finds a locket in the back cave, which has obviously mm. been left there by her, and she's on a boat. Um going and talking about how she is always going to be alone. Very similar to Bruce. Um we never obviously find out if the Joker, I don't know the follow-on movie for this or the follow-on series, I don't know how that kind of picks yeah, up, yeah. but we just assume the Joker survived anything anyway. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. but it is a very, as you're saying, it's, as you're saying, it was filmed for adults, marketed for, for kids, George. Um, it's it's a very morose ending, it's a, a downer. Both of them are alone and they know that is how it's going to be. Yeah, just like I said at the at the beginning, really, it's it's the, it's kind of the number one rule, isn't it? Uh, Bruce Wayne should never be happy. I think mm-hmm. <clears throat> if it ended with him, you know, staying with Andrea, I, they're both deeply flawed characters, mm. and I think you'd still end it with that whole notion of anyone that watches this or knows who Batman is would be like. Well, we all, you know, as soon as we tune in next week or for the next TV show or the next uh, uh, the film, something horrific is going to happen to them anyway. So, in the maybe the long run, in terms of story wise, maybe the best thing to do was split them up at the end um, because, like I said, something horrific was going to happen anyway. Yeah. No. Why do you be yourself? Yeah, I think I think it kind of carries on really well and to the end. I think the overall atmosphere from the beginning to the end is quite a... It almost feels like an old movie. You know, sort of these kind of romantic sort of... Um, Casablanca or something like that. Yeah, it's almost like, yeah, it's almost, it's almost like that, I was going to say, yeah. It's I think very, scenes, like, some scenes were taken straight out of um, Citizen Kane. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. By, yeah. The, by the graves and how it dissolves into mm-hmm. the, the flashbacks and things like that. It's, it's <clears> very, like, it's very well very well made for a, for a, for a adult for kids movie. Um, so I think that kind of the end, it was very kind of like, almost kind of like a kind of a Betty Davis movie at the end, sort of like she's on the ship and going off into the kind of into sort of new pastures, you know, don't we should really go in. Um, and she's kind of left, you know, a love of her life and mm-hmm. she's always always kind of like, just looking off into the distance, like, going, you know, just accepting her fate, you know, like, I can't go back and I've kind of done what I need to do, I suppose, at this stage. Mm-hmm. Um Maybe she even thought that she had killed the Joker at that point, but yeah, yeah it's just again, I, I, we talked about before about like how it's 
just a very kind of grown up feeling movie. Mm-hmm. So as a kid, you just kind of go, I always wanted, or the, I want more Batman stuff. But now he's like an older, you know, guy in his 40s. Right. Um, look at it and watch it and just, just appreciate the fact it's just such an amazingly rich story the whole way through. And it's not, doesn't have to be mm-hmm. all action. Though there is a big action set piece near mm-hmm. the end. It's just a, just an awesome, awesomely written written story and a great movie to just enjoy the the one this the pleasure of nowadays. Yeah. Well, I, see, I mean the thing is with, with Bruce and Andrea's relationship, it ends twice and it kind of mirrors each other. The the first time is the end of Bruce Wayne yeah. when they first break up. That's Bruce Wayne finishing and Batman beginning, mm. and the end of the Phantasm. And the end of that part of Andrea's story is mm. the second time the relationships uh, failed and faltered, and that's yeah. the end of Andrea Beaumont. She's no yeah. longer; she has to move on for being Andrea Beaumont. So it's okay. like it's very mirrored in terms of their mm. the end of their relationship, but mm. from different perspectives. Um, okay. One thing I found quite interesting uh, looking forward is that we have never seen Andrea Beaumont again. In Batman animation, no, no, definitely not. No, I, I, I would have been convinced that that would have been someone that would have came back. Especially, I, I mean, I don't know how continual the 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 animation is, the animation um, stories and timelines are, but it certainly feels as if it would be a character that they would have tried to bring back. I think there was definitely plans. I think doing a in the very loosest term of the word research for this film after I saw it, mm. and there was plans to bring back for another movie another villain but this time it was going to be andrea's mother i think but that ended up um getting ditched i will ask you uh i will ask you both this because this is obviously a a massively celebrated batman film much love like much like yourself larry by batman films all around the world really and almost for 30 years Mm. why has why do you think this has never been adapted for live action if it's that well loved, I, I think because you've you've kind of got to, I personally think it's probably because you've got to do a lot of groundwork, and I think it's it's hard to adapt <laughs> things like that because you've it's sort of what's the word that series is kind of like lightning in a bottle. You've kind of got like, I mean there are there are not great episodes of it, but the acting. By Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy and the kind of principal co- voice actors you have elsewhere mm. in that in that series, I don't think you could really. Though though I love the Batman and I think that that is probably my f- one of my favorite iterations of Batman in, on the big screen in terms yeah. of live action, I just don't think you could capture that that film Mask of Phantasm in a real in a real way without sacrificing the impact of it Mm -hmm. I think I think because of the way the 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 series is and the way that that film is made with such focus by like Paul Dini and such kind of detail when it comes down to the acting and the way it's kind of progresses and so forth and it's not doesn't have to be flashy. I think if you try to make it now, they would sacrifice the story to make it a bit more. Fl- they have, they have 
they would have definitely have to have the Batman fighting the Phantasm, yeah, more than once in the, in the movie. You know, there would be a lot more marvelish stuff of it in it. Um, mm-hmm. so I don't, I just don't think I wouldn't want to see it, and I don't think it really could pull it off properly. They may, tr- yeah. they would try, but um, I just don't think they've they see that as viable. I suppose they want grittiness. They want, um, they want to have a sort of like, I don't know. It's hard to say. They, they want to have a certain flavor to the Batman now. And they've kind yeah. of gone that way mm-hmm. is they want to have it sort mm-hmm. of realistic at the same time now. So I don't see them going that way again, unless we go back to that sort of comic booky way, but then try and do it with a bigger mix that makes um, sense. Yeah, maybe with Batfleck. Maybe with Batfleck, I could, I could have seen it, but not with, not with Patterson, Patfleck. No, I think Patterson. it's the romance angle that would be the issue. Yeah, because it's heavily focused on the romance of Bruce and Andrea. Are you going to get a a Batman movie that negates action for love? I don't think so. You can have it smattered throughout. You can have wee bits and pieces of it. Um, I think the closest we would get to it is probably being the Batman, which isn't romantic at all, but it's not action heavy. You look yeah. at the Batman as a movie, it's a, a three-hour movie that is has certain amount of action, but it focuses on more as Batman the detective, which we'd never really seen before either, so yeah. that's quite yeah. interesting. Um, so I think that is the main sticking point for it is the romance side, and it wouldn't be adapted as as um, accurately. Yeah. Um, it would be maybe like a Batman Begins mm-hmm. with mm. Katie Holmes. Say it was Katie Holmes' character was Andrea, and it would be that, and they would have this romance yeah. together, and it would kind of develop into... That the only other way I could see it maybe is over a couple of movies, see, like seeding it into a couple of movies mm-hmm. mm. where the phantasm is showing up. Yeah, say so you're making a trilogy and there is a phantasm character who briefly turns up mm. once or twice in the first movie, maybe mm. more prominently in the second, and is causing Batman all this stress and worry. If you're going through a full character arc, I think you'd maybe need two or three movies to yeah, introduce yeah. a phantasm character. Um, I mean, because it's interesting because you look at something like Hush. Um, I don't know if you've read the Hush comic books. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no. Um, you've read you've read them, Larry. So yes, Hush yes. is Hush is a really good comic book, um, a graphic novel, and develops a really interesting character. But then it was made into an animated movie and they totally mm. changed it. Yeah. Like it was a completely different person, not even just um, like right. themes and everything was changed. <clears throat> they, they, they changed who the character was to fit into a movie style. And I, I feel maybe it'd be similar with Phantasm yep. going into live action. It'd be quite a difficult uh, balance because of the amount of romance it's in it, as you're saying, mm-hmm. it's it's a movie made for adults to be to follow the story, to follow the the relationships. It's not about the action. Yeah. Um, well, either way, I'm starting a petition that in the Batman Two, Robert Pattinson's Batman solves a crime by drawing a smile on someone's face on a photograph. 
Yeah, it's absolutely. Done. I think so. <laughs> oh, I mean, what could, what could you get from that? You done um, El Ratalada and just said it was a flying bird and just yes. fucking shot on Colin Farrell or something like that. <laughs> I mean, what else great is Detective is a very loose moniker, yes. I feel. Yeah. Um, so, in terms of the animation, as I said, I'm quite a layman on it. George is is to think similar to myself. Larry, have you got any favourites? Yeah, um, I would say Heart of Ice, which I spoke about before, the Mr. Freeze episode, that's probably my favourite. Because it's very, mm-hmm. very, again, it's less action-y, again, it's more about the story of it, but more a bit, a bit more dramatic. Right. Um, I say Victor Freeze is, is the same sort of thing where his wife is, you know, frozen. Uh, not on, on very unwell, and he's trying to trying to find a cure. So it's again one of these kind of kind of tragic stories, much like this, where it's less emphasis on the, him fighting Mister Freeze and more about Victor Freeze's kind of journey and trying to be a kind of better person, which kind of mm-hmm. and but still trying to do you know villainous things to try and get I mean to an end. It becomes more of a sympathetic character, even mm-hmm. when. It kind of carries off into Batman Beyond. He becomes that same sort of character where he he, he doesn't want to do evil. He really just wants to kind of get to a certain, from A to B, and Batman's in his way basically. So, but yeah, yeah that one's really great. Um, I would say what's the ones I like? I like Trail of Batman. The, um, the Man Who Killed Batman is really good. I think that's an awesome one. Feet of Clay, parts one and two are really good. Um, Almost Got Him, which is like, it's a kind of episode where they're all kind of, um, all the villains are just talking about it, share their own story. So it's quite fun where you get the penguin saying, oh, that's what happened when I tried to get him. And there's like um, the Joker and like Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn and all that. So okay. that's a really fun episode because you're, you're seeing if Batman fight all these loads of people in the one episode. So, yeah, there, there's mm-hmm. some awesome, awesome ones. And the Grey Ghost episode we, with um, Adam West is a kind of a 60s sort of like um, TV show kind of character that inspired Batman to become Batman. So oh, that's kind of go. really a, quite, a, quite a cool episode. You get the two sort of sort of TV Batmans of the time, you know, or, or the well-known TV Batmans at that point come together to, to kind of be... Batman, as you know, again, I'm doing the kind of bunny ears here, <laughs> um, in quotes uh, together, which is quite really quite fun, really really fun. So and it's fun to hear Batman Kevin Conroy speaking to Batman, you know, like even though he's not playing Batman in the in, 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 in the in the TV show, hearing you know Adam West's voice on mm. a cartoon is really like it's quite fun and strange and interesting. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's it's again, it's like probably one of my favorite cartoon TV shows of all time like I remember when it first came out I was just blown away by it and I still am now I still yeah. think it's like pitch perfect in terms of <clears throat> it does kind of veer off later on and the, the animation gets a bit ropey and the Joker looks completely different by the end of it but it's still yeah, okay. really fun cool I'd um, I mean I'd recommend the Harley Quinn TV show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's um, well, it's purely for Bane. Bane is fucking brilliant in it and he's so <laughs> dumb. 
<laughs> he's fantastically stupid. Um, so I think that'll wrap us up then. Uh, talking about Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Um, our next episode is going to be following Dick Miller. Mm-hmm. If I am correct, yes. um, I am usually wrong, so I'll always refer to yourself, mm-hmm. Larry. It's Dick Miller, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Who dies very early um, in Mask of Phantasm as well. Notice he, he's like one of the first guys to go. Is he? Yeah, he's like, <laughs> he's, like, he's, like he's Chucky, isn't he? At the beginning. So that's quite fun. Like he's like, I was like, the most guys guy we pick like gets killed yeah, off within the first five minutes, which is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there, yeah, there we go. And we're going to be discussing nineteen uh, eighties. Should we call it a classic? Should we call it a a cult movie? I don't cult, know. I would say cult classic. Yeah, we'll cult classic. Um, Chopping Mall with <laughs> uh, Rob from Directors and Cut is going to yep. be on that with us. Um, it's a very fucking weird movie. It's not <laughs> good, but it's good. <sighs> Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's fun, but it's shit. That's what I'll say. Um, so, George, thanks very much for joining us tonight. It's been great thank having you, you on. Um, it's been a laugh. Thank you. This is for me. Big fan of your podcast. So it was great chatting to you. Wow. Um, so for anyone that doesn't know, where can everyone find you? Yeah, well, we are currently on um, Twitter. <clears throat> if it's still going by the time this airs. <laughs> <clears throat> but uh, we we uh, we can be found on Twitter at Colin Brain versus MCU. But we also have an Instagram page which is Colin Brain versus the MCU. We didn't get enough characters to fit in the username on Twitter, <laughs> so that's yeah. Co- uh, Twitter Colin Brain versus MCU. And um, yeah, uh, if anyone wants to give it a listen, we recommend starting from the beginning. And um, thanks for listening and same to you guys as well thanks for listening and, uh, and as well obviously the big thing big thanks is uh thanks for having me on it's been it's been really good tonight awesome. well thanks very much for joining us um I said highly recommend uh george's podcast Colin brain versus the mcu it is fantastic listening lots of games lots of uh, disagreements maybe is not the right word but certainly Different opinions. Yes. The fact that, that Colin does not rate Iron Man 3 still rankles with me. Um, Five-star masterpiece. Yep. <laughs> 100% agree. <laughs> um, and it's also a Christmas movie. We're coming up to December. Oh, so yes. So we're all good. Um, <laughs> yeah, 100% check that out. Um, it is one of my immediate go-tos the minute it's released. If I am free to listen to it, I listen to it. Amazing. And... With ourselves, you can find us at Where Is Nowhere on Twitter. Um, Larry, what's the Instagram? Road to Nowhere Pod. Road to Nowhere Pod on Instagram. I'm at Nowhere Andy. Larry is at Nowhere Larry on, okay. on Twitter. Exactly. And you can find us on Good Pods as well. Where wherever you get your podcasts, as people usually say, give a like, give a subscribe. I think that's a thing that folks say as well. Yeah, yeah. And we will see you next time for Chopping Mall. Catch you.